This morning we are going to talk about Jesus on, what kind of prophets does it say there? End time prophets, okay? So a lot of people are looking for answers. People want uh, to know what's going to take place in the near future. Things doesn't seem to be as usual, and people want answer, and people, uh, you know, uh, look for answers even from supernatural sources. And the Bible has a lot to say, a lot answers to provide uh, concerning what is going to take place, as well as what the Bible says about prophets. I want to take you to the book of Matthew for a moment. The book of Matthew chapter 7, okay? As I said, as people are looking for answers, it becomes very easy for the enemy of souls to provide counterfeits and to provide ways to deceive people. And notice what the Bible says here. This, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 15. He said, Be aware of what kind of prophets? False prophets, okay, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are what kind of wolves? Ravenous uh, wolves. Notice in chapter 24 what it says there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. And here Jesus prophesies concerning the end of the world and his second coming. And I want you to see what he said would be one of the signs of his coming. He said in verse 24, For false Christ and false, what everyone? Prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to, what is the next word? Deceive. I want to highlight that word for you. The words false prophets and the word deceive. So that's what Jesus said would be one of the signs of the end of time, of his second coming. False prophets. So I have a question for you before we move on. Um, and you can answer. It's not a tricky question, but I want uh, to make a point here. Is this $1,000 bill f real or false? What do you think? Okay, the answer that I heard uh, was false. One person in my left said uh, it, it looks real. This is actually a real $1,000 bill, okay? And uh, it's no longer in circulation, but it's a real $1,000 bill. Now, let me show you another bill here, and you can tell me if it is real or false. How about this one? Is it a, a real or false $100 bill? It's actually a real, okay? So both of them are real, um, but the, you know... The first one, most of you, I heard you saying, oh, they are false because maybe you were not aware that $1,000 bill actually existed in the past. Okay? And perhaps you said uh, uh, that it was false. Okay? But in reality, it existed in the past. But the $100 bill, some of you said uh, it's false. And the reason you said it's false is because you know exists and you know people try to do what with a $100 bill? They try to falsify, right? They make counterfeits in order to deceive people. Let me ask a question. Have you ever seen a $200 fake bill? 
Why not? Why don't people make $200 bills in order to deceive people? Will they be able to deceive people, yes or no? No, friends. So the point I'm trying to make is, in order to deceive people, you need to make a, a counterfeit of something that actually exists. Does that make sense? If I come up with a, a $7 bill here, would you be deceived with that? You wouldn't because you know it doesn't exist. So when Jesus said in Matthew, 20, uh, in Matthew 24 and verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to do what, everyone? To deceive. It has to be a counterfeit. Otherwise, people wouldn't be deceived. We ought to expect in the last days to have true prophets and also false prophets. Otherwise, people wouldn't be deceived. But Christ is telling people that, yes, in the last days there will be false prophets. And it must be a counterfeit. Otherwise, you know, why would people fall for it? So notice what it says here. If it is in the Bible, I what? I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. So that's our basis here for our studies. We've been studying the Bible using the Bible and the Bible only. And this morning we want to do the same for this topic. I want to take you to 1 John chapter 4. That's not the Gospel of John, but more toward the end of the Bible. 1 John chapter 4. And I want you to see what uh, the Apostle John said about false prophets as well. He said in 1 John chapter 4, beginning verse 1, actually only verse 1 we are going to read. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but do what with the spirits? Test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Did John dismiss any kind of claims of someone to be a prophet? Yes or no? According to this verse. Did he you know, um, discarded any possibility of true prophets. What do you think? Just looking at this verse. He said to do what with the spirits? Test the spirits if they are from, from God. Okay, so we have a responsibility to test the spirit on this topic of prophets. Now, what does the Bible teach about the genuine gift of prophecy? Okay, so we're going to see what the Bible has to say. Um, and uh, let's begin by understanding a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit because he gives several gifts for the church and I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Ephesians, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. There is another chapter in the Bible that shows the gifts of the Spirit, even a longer list of gifts which is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You'll find more about it in chapter 14 as well. And I want you to see what we find in Ephesians chapter 4. This is, you know, Jesus providing gifts to the church after he ascended up to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that we could have gifts. It says here in verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be what, everyone? Prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and what? and teachers so we see here some of the gifts of the spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers okay apostle the word apostle means the one who is sent the one that proclaims the gospel in new territories 
Okay, so the prophets are the ones that receive dreams and visions. And not only that, a lot of prophets in the Bible never had a vision. Like, for instance, I'll give you the example of John the Baptist. You just don't hear about John the Baptist having visions and dreams. But yet he was considered a prophet because he was, um, you know, pointing the people of God back to the scriptures, back to obedience to God and the worship of the true God. Then you have the evangelists, those that have the gift of sharing the gospel, uh, sharing uh, the good news of the gospel. Pastors, the one that is supposed to shepherd the flock and nurture the flock. You have teachers as well, supposed to teach. Um, Christian education is a form of that manifestation, the manifestation of that gift. Notice in verse 12, it tells us the reason God gives gifts to the church. For the, what is the next word? Equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you find here two primary reasons, okay? To equip the saints for ministry and also to build up the church of God. The body of Christ is his church. Jesus gave these gifts to the church to strengthen it, to accomplish its mission of proclaiming the gospel to the world. So that's why he gave us gifts, okay? And uh, the reality is he has given a gift to each one of us, no exception. Everyone um, has a gift from the Spirit. They are different, and we need all of them, okay? So we say that the prophets in the Old Testament was called the seer. It was like the vision for the church, okay? Notice what we find here. How long would these gifts remain in the church? Go to verse 13, the very next verse of Ephesians 4, verse 13. What's the first word that you find there? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Christ is expecting to build his church to have his church going from a militant stage to a triumphant stage, a mature church, and the gifts of the Spirit is there for that reason, to help the church. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to take you there quickly. And I want you to see that for those who are waiting for the second coming of Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit must be manifested, including the gift of prophets. And I want to show you that. Here in verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, notice what, what it says here. Even as the, what does it say next there? It's highlighted for you. The testimony of Christ, and we are going to explore more this expression, the testimony of Christ or the testimony of Jesus, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. And then it says, so that you come short in how many gifts? No gifts. You have all the gifts, including the testimony of Christ or the testimony of Jesus. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. What event is it talking about? The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus. So for those who are waiting the second coming of Jesus, the Apostle Paul says that no gift will be missing including the testimony of Christ or the testimony of Jesus. So come with me quickly to the book of Revelation. I don't have that, uh, uh, that verse in the slides, so if you have a, a Bible available, I invite you to go to Revelation chapter 19 
And notice in verse 10 what we find about the testimony of Jesus or the testimony of Christ and the definition of that because Paul was commanding the church who was waiting for the second coming of Jesus and he says, I'm surprised that even the testimony of Jesus was confirmed in you who are eagerly waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Notice what we find here in verse 10. And I, that's the Apostle John, fell at his feet, the feet of the angel. He was about to break the commandments of God to worship him. But he said to me, see, thou, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have, what everyone? The testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus or the testimony of Christ is what everyone? is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when Paul says in verse 6, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ or the testimony of Jesus was confirmed in you, meaning the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy was confirmed in you. For what reason? So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus promised the gift of prophecy would be revived in the last days okay so and we are going to see more of that this is just a review of our study about the true church we already had this study um, and here are seven characteristics of God's true church we saw that uh, in the last days by the way we saw that it would become a worldwide mission driven movement it rose after 1798 it starts in the, new, in the new world, more precisely in the United States of America. Keep the commandments of God. Worship the Creator by keeping the Sabbath. And then we saw this one on number six. I have highlighted for you. Have the manifestation of what, everyone? The gift of prophecy. And we're going to revisit that prophecy this morning. And then proclaim the three angels' message. But I want to make this point, friends, that the Word of God mentions about the gift of prophecy, the ministry of prophets, prophets, and the word of God says that in the last days, God's remnant people will have the manifestation of the gift of prophet. So two dangers here. Number one is accept the counterfeit. Is that a danger? Yes or no? Most definitely. The second one is reject the what? The genuine. So that's another danger. And how can we tell the difference between the true and the false? There is no other way than what? The Word of God. Okay, the Word of God is the basis for all our beliefs, including in the subject of prophets in the last days. Okay, so if it's not according to the Word of God, friends, remember, it's not for me. But if it is, I believe it. Prophets receive message in two basic ways. I already mentioned that for you. Number one, an angel brings them a vision or a dream. You know, through visions and dreams, we see that a lot, especially in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation. And then the other way is the Holy Spirit impresses the prophet's mind. And God has his way of confirming the ministry of the prophet as we are going to see today. So let me just read quickly here for the sake of time what it says in the book of Numbers 12 verse 6. It says, If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in what, everyone? In vision. I speak to him in a, 
in a dream. So that's very clear. That that's one of the ways God communicates uh, with his people through his prophets, dreams and visions. And in 2 Peter 1.21, we find, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God, or the prophets, spoke as they were moved by what, everyone? The Holy Spirit. So that's the impression of the Holy Spirit upon the mind of the prophets, okay? And by the way, not all prophets are Bible, what, everyone? Writers. And you see that throughout the Old Testament, and you see in the New Testament as well, okay? One example already mentioned in the New Testament is John the Baptist. Do you have any book in the Bible that John the Baptist, Baptist actually wrote? You don't find. And yet Jesus says that among women, there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Okay, so that's number one that we need to understand, that, that not all prophets actually wrote the Bible. Um, and in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Acts, you find also the daughters of, I think it was Philip, right? The daughters of Philip. So he had four daughters. All, all of them were prophets. So notice here. What's the difference between the Bible writers and these other true prophets that didn't write the Bible? That's simple, friends. When uh, the prophet wrote and the Lord, uh, through his providence, preserved their writings... It meant that the message was not only for their time, but the message would be a benefit for God's people throughout the ages. For those that are not included in the canon or in the Bible, their message was specifically for the people at that time. Does that make sense, everyone? So let's move on here. I want to show this, that God has no respect of people for that gift. Woman prophets in the Bible... You can find Deborah, Wuda, the daughters of Philip that I just mentioned, the four daughters. So God does not uh, have respect of people when it comes to giving the gifts to his church. So let's see some biblical tests of true prophets. Number one, prophetic, what everyone? Accuracy. In other words, a prophet cannot contradict the other prophet, Okay. So they must proclaim the same message. And uh, let me take you here to Jeremiah 28, verse 9. Notice what it says. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, comes to what, everyone? Come to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. Okay, so before we actually talk about uh, being in harmony with uh, the other prophets is actually the word of the prophet must come to pass, okay? So the second one, uh, before we go to the second one, let me, let me share about uh, one prophet that actually prophesied and his word didn't come to pass. And he is a true prophet. And that was the prophet Jonah, okay? If you remember the story of Jonah, he prophesied that the city of Nineveh would be what, everyone? destroyed he preached for 40 days and then after 40 days was the city destroyed yes or no no because he the message was if the people didn't repent so there are conditional prophecies in the bible and you have prophecies that are not conditional okay so you know you have to make that differentiation the context will tell you when the prophecy is conditional and when the prophecy 
it's not uh, conditional, okay? So Jonah was a prophet that prophesied about the destruction of Nineveh, and it didn't get destroyed the way he prophesied, and that was because it was a conditional prophecy. God's true prophets are accurate because God does not confuse the message. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation have apocalyptic prophecies, and they are not conditional, okay? So we can study those prophecies and have the assurance, assurance that they are going to be fulfilled. As we analyze the context, we see that. Here we go. Now we go with biblical, what everyone? Faithfulness. So that's when the prophecy of a particular prophet has to be in harmony with the rest of the Bible and the teachings of the Word of God. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you sign or a wonder. So can by the way, can false prophets make signs and wonders? Yes or no? Oh yes. Can true prophet not make any sign and wonder? That was the accusation against John the Baptist. If you read the Gospels, the people were saying he makes no sign and wonders. So let's go on here. So if someone appears, you know, professing to be a prophet, making signs and wonders, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after, what kind of gods? Other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. And then it says, you shall not listen to the word of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his, what everyone? His commandments and obey whose voice? His voice, okay? So here we find a, a clear sign how to identify a true prophet or a false prophet. If it is in disharmony with the rest of the Bible, the other prophets of the Bible, we shouldn't accept. And you shall serve him, the Lord, and hold fast to him. If the so-called prophet is not leading a person to the word of God, to be faithful to scripture, they are blandly, what if you want? False, okay? So remember that. Another characteristic of a true prophet is it must exalt who? Jesus, okay? And I want to show that in the book of John. Come with me to the book of John chapter 5 quickly here. And uh, we are going to see that Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders concerning the scriptures. That they were searching the scriptures, but they were missing the point. What all the prophets were saying, and, uh, and they were rejecting the one who the prophets were pointing to. So in chapter 5 and verse 39, Jesus says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which does what, everyone? testify of me so that's why it's called the testimony of Jesus the one who has the gift of prophecy he testifies of Jesus the Messiah okay the Savior in the book of Luke chapter 24 verse 25 through 27 I want to take you there uh, we have uh, three verses there that I want to read with you the book of Luke and that's the last uh, chapter of that book and that's Jesus again after his resurrection as he's talking to two of his followers. And they were discouraged, not understanding what had happened with Jesus, who they thought was the Messiah. And then Jesus said in verse 25, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow at heart to believe in all that who? 
the prophets have spoken. And then he goes on to say in verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Have you not believed what the prophet has said? And then he goes on to say, And beginning at Moses, was Moses a prophet, yes or no? Oh yes, you better believe he was. He wrote the five first books of the Bible. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, that's Jesus, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself. In other words, all the prophets, including Moses, they were all pointing to one person, and that person was who, everyone? It was Jesus Christ. Again, as I said, that's why the testimony of Jesus and the spirit of prophecy in the Bible is the same thing. Because that's the role of a prophet, to exalt Jesus. Now, another one is the prophet must obey the commandments of God. They are commandment-keeping people. In fact, we see this relationship uh, between the prophets and the law throughout the Old Testament. Every time the people would uh, go astray from the law of God and disregard the commandments of God, the visions disappeared for a moment, and then God would have to raise eventually another prophet to bring the people back to the law of God. So there is this relationship between the prophets and the law. So let me show you Isaiah 8.20. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is what in them? No light in them. So no prophet will say that it is fine to commit adultery. It is fine to bear false witness. It is fine to have other gods or to worship image. No prophet, no true prophet will lead people astray from obedience to God's commandment. Of course, through God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But they will not lead people into disobedience because sin is the transgression of God's law. First John 4, 3, or 3, 4, excuse me. Another one, we have also physical tests of a true prophet in the Bible. I will just make reference here of the passages for you, but you're welcome to take notes and see for yourself uh, but in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 4, prophets experience visions with their eyes, what does it say there? Open. Their eyes remain open throughout the vision. So we find that in Numbers 24, verse 4. Number 2, in Daniel 10, verse 8, in vision, prophets have no physical, what everyone? Strength. Okay, so Daniel said that... Uh, concerning his prophetic ministry and then the same chapter in verse 17 we find that prophets in vision do not what everyone breathe okay so god gives also physical tests of of a true prophet that receives dreams and visions notice what we find here number six spiritual what everyone fruit in life in other words, you need to see that the ministry and the life of that prophet is fruitful according to God's principles, okay? So notice what we find. Let's go to the book of Matthew here in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go there to Matthew chapter 7 for a moment. I want to share with you two verses here that is part of the same paragraph, part of the same what, everyone? paragraph okay and I, I'm saying this so you don't think it's talking about something differently here 
because I'm going to share verse 15 and I'm going to share verse 20 with you. But if you were to analyze a manuscript of the book of Matthew, you would see it's the same paragraph. So verse 15, let me see here if my Bible does that. In verse 15, no, it doesn't, okay? But some Bibles, they actually mark when a paragraph starts. It looks like more like a P turning the opposite side, two Ps, and then when you see it again, and that's when another paragraph starts. My Bible doesn't show that. Uh, but anyway, in verse 15, all the way through verse 20 is the same paragraph. And I want you to see what it says in verse 15. Be aware of what, everyone? False prophets. And then if you jump to verse 20, which is the same paragraph, he's still talking about false prophets. He says, therefore, by their what, everyone? Their fruits, you will know them. So the fruits of the life and the ministry of the prophet. You don't want to follow a prophet who is having an affair or have you know, like uh, it's in an adulterous relationship. So there's no fruit of righteousness there. And you want to see also the fruit of the ministry, the blessing that he is impact, uh, impacting those who are under his influence, okay? So notice what we find now in Revelation 12. Let's go there to Revelation 12. And I want to explore and dwell a little bit on this verse over here. We already studied Revelation 12, chapter 12. It showed the history of God's church throughout the ages. And then it shows God's people all the way to the end of time. It shows that they will rise after the period of 1260 years of persecution in the dark ages. And then it shows the people of God in verse 17 with two remarkable characteristics that are undeniable and we cannot avoid them. We cannot avoid everyone avoid them even though it may be sensitive we need to look at them and uh, be fair and see what the scriptures has to say and that's revelation 12 verse 17 and we are going to afterwards apply all the six principles that we learn about a true prophet to see how that gift has been manifested in the last days sometime after 1798 after the 1260 years that we see prophesied in this chapter here. And then verse 17, we show God's people after she was helped by the earth, which is a symbol of the new, earth, uh, the new world. We already studied about that, but notice verse 17, what it says. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. What is the woman here, friends? It's a symbol of the church. We have already seen this both in the Old and the New Testament. Often, God represents his people as a woman. And then he shows here, and went to make war with, uh, what is the next word there? The rest. Some translation says the remnant. What is left over of the church. The rest of her offspring. Who, notice the two characteristics there. It's undeniable, friends. It says, keep the commandments of God, and that's all the Ten Commandments. Because James says, if we obey the whole law and transgress in one, we are guilty of how much? Of all. And then it says, keep the commandments of God and have what, everyone? The testimony of Jesus Christ. And we already explored a little bit about uh, what the testimony of Jesus Christ is, but we are going to see it again. But here you have the two characteristics of God's last day people in verse 17 is that they are commandment-keeping people and they also have the testimony of Jesus. Is that clear so far? 
Now go with me again to verse uh, chapter 19 of Revelation. We already read that one, but I want to read it one more time with you. Chapter 19 and verse 10, and that will help us to understand what the testimony of Jesus, which is an identifying characteristic of God's people in the last days, actually is. It says, and I fell at his feet. That's John falling by the feet of the angel to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is what, everyone? Is the spirit of prophecy. Therefore, one of the identifying characteristics of God's people in the last days is that they will have the manifestation of the spirit of prophecy. Are we together so far? Now, in this verse, and I want you to look carefully in this verse, and I'm going to ask a question. According to this verse, don't give me good answers. Give me biblical answers. According to this verse and this verse alone, who receives the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus? I know you're really tempted to say prophets, but the verse doesn't say that. It doesn't use that word. I know that. I want you to read the verse and tell me, according to the verse, who have the testimony of Jesus or the spirit of prophecy? Huh? Okay, here it says the brothering. Notice carefully. I highlighted here for you. It says, it's in blue, and of your brothering who have the testimony of Jesus. Now, the natural question would be what next? Who are the brethren of John, right? Who have the testimony of Jesus. So let's see in chapter 22 of Revelation and verse 9. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 9. And I want you to see what it says here. John, again, in verse 8, was about to break the Ten Commandments to worship the angel. The angel rebuked him, say, don't do that. Worship God. And then in verse 9, notice what it says here in verse 9. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brothering, the who? The prophets. Who are the brothering according to the scriptures? The prophets. And who receives the testimony of Jesus or the spirit of prophecy? The prophets. Therefore, friends, if we are fair with the text... When we go back to Revelation 12, and go there with me, if you will. Revelation 12, verse 17. When you read Revelation 12, 17, which says that God's people, they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. It is impossible, friends, to have the testimony of Jesus without having a what, everyone? A prophet, because they are the ones who receive or have the testimony of Jesus. So, when we look for God's people in the last days, friends, we must look for a people that keep the commandments of God. We have all the other characteristics, which I will not go back now. But another one is a church that has the manifestation of the gift of prophecy given to a prophet. And that's undeniable. It may be sensitive, and yet it's undeniable. Notice what we find here. If we believe that we have found God's church... It must have the biblical, what if you want? The gift of prophecy. And friends, I must say this morning uh, and answer this question. Has God blessed the Seventh-day Adventist church with the gift of prophecy? In other words, 
with the testimony of Jesus through the ministry of a prophet? And the answer is yes, friends. And I'm going to introduce Ellen White for you. And I want to give you some information about her and then put her under the test of scriptures, okay? So who is Ellen White, by the way? Just uh, a few information. The most translated woman writer in the entire history of literature. Okay, so we see that her work was fruitful and impactful. Another information that you find about her, the most translated American author of either gender. Another one that we find is wrote more than 40 books and uh, more than 5,000 articles in a broad range of themes, including religion, education, health, social relationships, parenting, evangelism, prophecy, publishing, nutrition, and uh, management. And we're going to explore some of those themes that she talked about in a little bit. But I want to show for you here this morning what uh, George Wharton James, who was a historian, and he wrote a book about California back in the days. And I wanted to see what he wrote about Ellen White because she lived in California part of her life. This remarkable woman, though almost entirely, what everyone? Self-educated because of, you know, uh, of an accident. It was actually a girl from her school threw a rock on her face and she couldn't attend school anymore. She only had up to the third grade. So she had to be self-educated. Has written and published more books in more language which circulates to the greater extent than any other woman in history. Now let me share this with you before you think that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church actually uh, have the writings of Ellen G. White superior than the Bible or even equal to the Bible. So let me share this with you. Seventh-day Adventists believe in the Bible and in the Bible only as a source of how many doctrines? Every Bible doctrine. That's why for those that have come to Jesus on prophecy, I have studied you, the scriptures, and I have always used the scriptures to establish the doctrines and the teachings found in the Bible. Okay, I never used any other source other than the Bible. And friends, by the way, just letting you know, and because of that, you know, every teaching of the Adventist church comes directly out of the Bible. That's why, I don't know if, uh, if you knew that, but that's why um, to be a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church, we do not require the individual to accept Ellen G. White as a prophet. Did you know that? If you read the, the manual of the Seventh-day Adventist church, you will see that we mention about the gifts of the Spirit, that we must accept the gifts of the Spirit, including the spirit of prophecy as revealed in Revelation 12, 17, but he never mentions her name. And we do not require people who become a member of this church to accept her as a prophet, okay, because our teachings is only based in the Bible and the Bible only. And if you do not adhere to, to her writings, the 28 doctrines that we believe as a church, they still stand. I know there are some confusions. Some Adventists believe, you know, that in order to become a Seventh-day Adventist, you need to accept Ellen White as a prophetess, but actually not. Notice what it says here. The gift of prophecy does not take the place of what, everyone? 
of the Bible, it exalts the Bible. Now, let, let, let's put Ellen G. White for a test here, and then I'm going to say, so um, if it is not necessary to, to, for us to have understanding of truth and the word of God, why does God send you know, a prophet which is not part of the canon? For the same reason he sent John the Baptist. The people had deviated from the truth, and there was a need to call people's attention back to the word of God. Now notice carefully here. Let's see. First one, prophetic accuracy. And I'm going to share just a few of them for the sake of time here. So the first one is what she wrote, which today wouldn't be any, any amazing statement, but back in the days, in the Ministry of Healing, 327, she wrote, Tobacco is a slow what? insidious but most malignant poison. In those days, the doctors, they were recommending what for lung disease? Smoking, cigar. It wasn't until 1957 that the American Heart Association concluded that smoking was a causative factor in what? Lung cancer, like about 90 years after. She also wrote about nutrition and uh, she advocated for a vegetarian diet, not as a means of salvation by any means, but uh, as a blessing for humanity. And I want you to, for you to see what Dr. Cleve McKay wrote about one of the books that Ellen G. White wrote about health and nutrition. That was the book, Councils on Diet and Food. He wrote... In spite of the fact that the works of Mrs. White were written long before the advent of modern what? Scientific nutrition. No better overall guide is available today. And if you know uh, much about uh, Dr. Cleve McKay, he is an authority in, in nutrition, okay? Even today you have conventions based on his name. Um, I want to show another prophecy here that's uh, a little bit interesting. It was about uh, what happened in New York, and uh, I connect that with the Twin Towers. Notice what she wrote. On one occasion, when in New York City, I was in the night season called upon to behold buildings rising story after story toward heaven. These buildings were warranted to be fireproof and they were erected to glorify their owners and builders. And as you read this and see if uh, there is any correlation there, higher and still higher these buildings rose and in them the most costly material was used. The singing that next passed before me was an alarm of fire. Men looked at uh, the lofty and uh, supposedly fireproof buildings and said they are perfectly safe. But these buildings were consumed as if made of what? Of pitch. There are more details, but I just put uh, a little bit of the statement. And uh, we find that it's interesting that we find this chapter in a book called Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, and the chapter begins in, in, in page 11. In other words, 9-11. It might be just a coincidence, but I thought that was interesting. So, another test, 
faithful to the word of God, to the writings of the other prophets, okay? Notice what she wrote. In our time, there is a wide departure from their doctrines and precepts, referring to the Bible, okay? Uh, from their doctrines and precepts, and, their, and there is a need of a return to the great Protestant principle. What was the great Protestant principle that she was urging people to go back to? The Bible, and the Bible only as the rule of faith and duty. Just to make that clear, that uh, Seventh-day Adventists and her herself, Ellen Dwight herself, does not consider her writings to be equal to the Bible or above the Bible. She wrote this, Little heed is given to what? The Bible. And the Lord has given a lesser light, and she's referring to her writings now as lesser light, to lead men to, and women to the greater light. So she's comparing the Bible with her writings, and she calls her writings in comparison to the Bible a, a lesser light, and the Bible the greater light. And that's the objective, as I said, just like John the Baptist was pointing people back to the Scriptures, back to the prophecies of the Old Testament, she's pointing people back to the Scriptures. Friends, the reality is, and if you have not realized, or perhaps you have, and maybe you are in that position, I have found more and more people that they say, I don't understand anything that the Bible says. And even among Christians. And the spirit prophecy has a role to, it's almost like a, a milk for people to be able to perhaps be strengthened in their understanding of scripture so they can then go to the meat, to the greater light. Notice this other statement. Brethren, cling to your what? Your Bible as it reads and stop your criticism in regard to its validity. And obey the word. And not one of you will be what, everyone? Lost. So she believed that uh, through the Bible, we found the way of salvation in Christ Jesus. Now another one, exalt Jesus. Okay, so the prophets must exalt Jesus. In the, in the book, Gospel Workers, writing for those who are engaged in ministry, on page 160, she wrote, Lift up Jesus you that teach the people, lift him up in sermon, in song, and in prayer. Let all your powers be directed to point souls confused, bewildered, lost to who? The Lamb of God. And you find books like The Desire of Ages, which is a classical on the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ. So she's exalting Jesus through, his ministry, through her ministry. Books like Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings on the Sermon on the Mountain. Okay, you have the book Steps to Christ for those that want to understand the, the basic principles of salvation found in the Bible. You have the book Christ Object Lessons on the Parables of Jesus. It's about exalting Jesus. I want to read to you what Barna Institute, which is a, a Christian institute that does researches um, of several kinds within Christianity and church and sometimes other religions as well. I want you to see what they say are the altars that are influencing younger generations of pastors, not Adventist pastors, okay? This, Barna is not a Seventh-day Adventist institution. So notice what they wrote. The under 40 pastors championed several altars who were not ranked highly by older church leaders. 
Those altars included business consultant uh, James Collins, seminary professor Tom Rainer, and Ellen White and Pastor John Wardberg. So you can find uh, in the Barnett um, website. You know, if you are not a Seventh-day Adventist, if you are visiting our church, perhaps your pastor is reading Ellen G. White. He may not tell you, but it could be the case. Another one, keep the commandments of God, and we know that uh, she believed uh, that by God's grace and through the work of the Holy Spirit, the law of God can be written in the tables of our hearts like the new covenant, including the keeping of the Sabbath as a special day set aside by God for God's people. Okay? And physical tests, uh, there is a lot we could say about that and show uh, some um, historical evidences that we had, but I want to share one with you of Dr. Drummond. How do you pronounce his name? Help me here. Drummond. He was a skeptic. He didn't believe in her visions and her ministry, and uh, he actually came to her presence, and he wanted to examine her while she was in a vision, and uh, he knew the physical characteristics or tests that a prophet you know, should go through when they are in vision, okay? So he examined her, and that was his word, she does not breathe, okay? And you have others, uh, other accounts as well of people trying to, you know, move her, but they, they couldn't, or lifting a Bible for, you know, I don't remember how long now, if it was more than an hour. No, so she was lifting a Bible, and turning to the verses that she was quoting without looking to the verse, and people was able to see that it was actually the right references. And uh, let's talk about spiritual fruitage in life. She wrote a book called Education, and other books about uh, education, okay? And she urged Seventh-day Adventists to establish schools from kindergarten all the way to uh, universities, okay? And the fruit of that was what? The largest Protestant educational system in the world is the Seventh-day Adventist educational system, okay? So the Roman Catholic Church is the largest educational system in the world. Among the Protestants, denominations is the Seventh-day Adventist Church. These are fruitage of her labor, of her writings, and her influence. Another one, let's talk about hospitals. Now, over... 13 million outpatients visit the 785 hospitals, clinics, nursing homes, uh, dispensaries, children's facilities, airplane and medical lunches operated by the church each, how often? Each year. And she wrote a lot about uh, medical work, medical min missionary ministry, the establishment of hospitals, and even like uh, clinics that would go through rivers and places where people wouldn't have access to health treatments. The modern gift of prophecy meets the test of accuracy, friends. I want to read to you what um, the New York Independent newspaper wrote when she died, okay? And she was buried here in the state of Michigan. Um, she showed no spiritual pride. That's the newspaper writing about her. Again, it's, it's a secular perspective of her life. She showed no spiritual pride, and she sought no what? 
filthy looker. So I'm not going to mention names here, but you'll see a lot claiming to be prophets in our days that they are rich and wealthy through their ministry as prophets. Some prophets, they like profit. She showed no spiritual pride and she sought no filthy looker. In fact, that she gave a lot of her resources to advance the mission. And her writings, she didn't pass to her family. It was established the white state. So no one is necessary, like no family member is um, making profit through her writings. She lived the life and did the work of a worthy prophetess, the most admirable of the American succession. I want to read to you what uh, Paul Harvey said in, a, in the radio, in a radio program in 1997, okay? So he said, I can name an American woman author who has never been honored thus, you know, never, she has had a, a post, uh, a, a stamp um, with her name and picture. Though her writings have been translated into 148 languages, now it's more, more than Marx or, help me with the name, Tolstoy, thank you, more than Agatha Christie, more than William Shakespeare, only now is the world coming to appreciate her recommended prescriptions for optimum spiritual and physical health. Then he says, Ellen White, you don't know her, you get to know her. Get to know her, excuse me. Ellen White wrote in The Great Controversy, one of her books, True Christianity receives the word of God as the great treasure house of inspired truth. And notice, and the, what's the next word? Test of all inspiration. So what is the test of all inspiration? The word of God. So she's pretty much putting herself to the test says, you don't accept my ministry as a prophet is before evaluating what the word of God has to say. Paul said, despise not prophesying. Okay, despise not. But we must test the spirit. Friends, the purpose of this message is not to have you making a decision to accept her as a prophet is. I want to just make that clear for the sake of transparency here. That wasn't the purpose of the message. The purpose of the message was for you to know what the scripture says about end time prophets and for you to test the prophets according to the word of God and for you not to despise prophes prophesying but test the spirits. Does what everyone? Test the spirits. And my appeal is that you test the spirit. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, We are grateful because you have provided your word to guide us in this world of sin and darkness. And uh, this morning we studied about uh, the gift of prophecy and how we should test the spirits if it is from God. And Father, we don't want to despise prophesying, but we want uh, to do what you requested us to do. And Father, we surrender 
our prejudice before your throne. And, uh, and we ask you to give us the curiosity at least uh, to test the Spirit so we can be guided back to the Word of God. And Father, we pray for understanding. We pray that we will grow spiritually in a way that uh, the Word of God will become more and more clear for us so we can be ready for your coming. And Father, as uh, Kim sung uh, this morning, we want to surrender all, whatever that is. We have our issues, we have our challenges, we have our struggles, and there are things that we need to put before your altar. We ask you to help us. This morning we make a decision to give you permission to take our lives into your hands. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will break every idol and help us to become a new creature. We pray in the precious name of Jesus that God's people say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.